Richard Are you Gold. suffering from erectile dysfunction? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm suffering from gas, apparently. <laughs> Made the room stink a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's why they call me Stinky Pete. <laughs> oh dear me! What is that? Because that can be the pre-credits thing. Thirteen minutes. Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Hey, kids, comics. Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. I would never make a deal with Mephisto! <laughs> I'd, I'd never slap you, Marie Jane. Apart from that one time in the Clone Saga that I did. No, that, that was Ben Riley. But we never mention it again! It was Ben Riley. you slapped Marie Jane. Was it Ben Riley? Even though yeah. he wasn't around at that point. It was Ben Riley. Well, uh, retcon. Retcon? Yeah. Totes. The easiest solution out of any. The easiest solution to any comic boot problem. Retcon. Retcon. Not reboot. Nope. Completely. Just a retcon. Because rebooting is lazy. Or um, a prequel where they planned the death and return. Okay. You see, I will plan my fake death. Ho ho ho. Ho ho. It will be an actor. And all those people who don't like Aunt May will go head over heels. But they analysis and actor, actress. You keep rambling on in this stream of consciousness <laughs> way that you're doing. <laughs> I could go on and on about how uh, it would have been better if Aunt May had just bitten the bullet. Well, she did, and then she didn't, and then she did, and then she got better again. Yeah, but, you know. She should have just married Dr. Octopus and gone off to that bloody island. (laughs) And gone and lived on that nuclear island that she owned. Yeah, And therefore had no money problems ever again. They just had a little Godzilla swimming around it. Godzilla versus Dr. Octopus. Oh, yeah. Godzilla versus Spider-Man. I don't think Spider-Man would have much of a chance in such a battle, do you? Well, if Shaquille O'Neal can fight Godzilla, I'm sure Spider-Man can. Shaq. Yeah, Shaq-Fu. Did he win? And they had a basketball match. With Godzilla? Yeah. And Shaq won? He did. Godzilla fitted into the arena, did he? Have you never seen this? I've not, no. I don't know how I've managed to live this long. Yeah, yeah, Without seeing it. It's worth a read. Okay. If I was a read, I don't have to watch it. It's a comic. Is it? Marvel comic. Shaq versus Godzilla. I think uh, Marvel used to do Godzilla comics. They did, didn't yeah. They? Marvel did Godzilla comics. And, yeah, Shaquille O'Neal was in the show. <sighs> now that's a crossover we <laughs> should have covered. Yeah. Shaq versus Godzilla. Do you know we haven't said hello? I don't know. Hello, hello everybody. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> Speaking of crossovers... And welcome to the show. Yes, we just switched the streams. We did. Well, we've said before, we don't want it to be boring for people. Should, should I read the emails then? If it's if, if you want to read the emails, feel free. Oh, I don't know, I'm fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, he would have to swap the laptop over I, and, I and stuff. Do you remember when he used to print them out? 
You did, didn't so you? So I actually had paper copies. Yeah. So I could be more like Simon Mayo than I already am. And after one week you got bored of that. I did, yeah. I got bored of the paper and <laughs> it was wasted. <laughs> Screw this. <laughs> I can just read it off the screen. So that seems to be the easiest thing today. Okay, well, should we jump into those aforementioned emails? I think we should. The first one is Gig Time, Gig Creators, Gig Comics Crossovers. I like what he did there. Mm-hmm. It's Luke Giaconetti. Hi, Luke. Gandhi and Geichel. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been mildly fascinated by Marvel DC crossovers, dating back to my brother having the crossover classics trade when we were kids. But the Superman Hulk crossover you guys covered in this episode was a completely new one to me. Just stepping into the email for a second, there's you know how many people have said that? Quite yeah. a lot of people on Facebook, a couple of emailers have said, I didn't even know this existed. Mm. That shows how much they dropped the ball with the publicity on it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. How can you publish Superman versus the Hulk and people not know that it existed? Well, I only knew it existed because you had it. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable dropping of the ball in terms of uh, publicity, though, isn't it? Yeah. Not knowing that it was out. Anyway, Luke continues. Seems like this would have been a no-brainer back in the day, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? In the wake of Superman vs. Spider-Man and the like, but better late than never. The story sounded a little thin, and that we did not get a proper throwdown between Big Blue and Green Jeans is a letdown, but the art by Steve Rude looks fantastic, including the cover. So this is one I will have to keep an eye out for in the cheapy bins, if only for the pretty pictures. The description of Lois burying her midriff while wearing a skirt helps feed this motivation. (laughs) Yes. Well, he does draw pretty Lois. Now, the Batman Judge Jet crossover I am familiar with. I picked up Judgment on Gotham many years ago out of a 33 cent bin. 33 cent? Well, so is that three for a dollar then? Yeah. 33 cent bin. Okay. Grant and Wagner wrote that one as well, but the art by Simon Bisley, another 2008 alumnus. Bats and Dread seemed like an odd purring, considering their normal MOs, and Dread seems to be out of character in this story. But evidently, these crossovers were successful enough to do five. DC 2000 AD crossovers. They even got collected in a trade. I thought they only did four. I am from the history. Speaking of Dread. Yes. I watched Dread the other day. It's good, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I like Dread. It's essentially the raid. It is essentially the raid with Judge Dread, isn't it? It is. But there is no film concept that you can't come up with that would not be approved by having Judge Dredd in it. Oh, yeah. Escape from New York with Judge Dredd in it. How much cooler would that film have been? I was so big on the Dredd in the movie, actually. Why not? Um, I thought as far as casting goes, chin casting goes, it was a good <laughs> chin. But not so hot on the voice. When you're casting dread, is that what you go for? Yeah, yeah. Chin. To be honest, you know, I'm not so big on bones being uh, dread. See, I like Carlo. But, but he, had a, he, had a, he had a good chin for it. He was good in Almost Human as well. Yeah. Now, I'm, I wasn't so big on the Mega City one either, but Judge Anderson, I'm fine with Judge Anderson. Well, you, well, did she give you rusty wrong feelings? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lusty wrong feelings over Judge Anderson. Fair enough. Uh, Luke continues, another good 90s crossover, Magnus Robot Fighter versus Predator from Valiant and Dark Horse. That one makes good use of both characters' story engines. The story goes that a Predator lands in North Am on Earth in the 40th century and winds up being hunted by a group of cloud clopper yuppies for fun, which eventually draws <laughs> Magnus into the battle. I enjoyed that one a bit, but I like Magnus and the Predator, so I may be more prone. Looking forward to more crossover classics. I was talking to my wife about GLA Avengers the other day, so it's timely as well, Luke. Well, thank you very much, Luke. You know what would have been a decent film? What would have been a decent film? The Expendables versus Predator. Yeah, but it would only work if some of them were actually, you know, 
expendable. Indeed, there is that. Maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, I mean, I would pay to see the Predator rip Dolph Lundgren in half. <laughs> I don't know Jason Statham I quite, I quite like Jason Statham oh yeah like Jason Statham would have to survive oh yeah yeah Jason Statham would survive but Arnold Schwarzenegger head ripped off <laughs> Bruce Willis cutting off he you know, didn't see me yeah. <laughs> Bruce Willis cutting off being a pompous prima donna yeah yeah so everyone else Charlie Cruz I don't know what happened to Charlie Cruz. He'd go down fighting, wouldn't he? Would he could be like Carl Weathers okay. in uh, in Predator to get his arm cut off or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Jason Statham I ain't survives. got time to bleed. Yeah, because Jason Statham rocks. Yeah. David Bland has emailed in, mail for the sack. Dear Leyland, you guys, you said you needed mail to fill your sack. So here's some mail. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, David. Thanks, David, yeah. P.S. Do you think the hostess ads are part of the official Marvel multiverse? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we're in agreement, though, David, that the uh, hostess adverts are very much part of the Marvel Universe. Matthew Guy has emailed in, or I think is a new emailer. Woo! Thank you very much for that. That's either the new email sirens the or... The new email the, red alert siren. Or, or the strange way sirens. <laughs> Michael and Andrew, great podcast as always. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, hello to both of you. I'm a recent listener of your podcast since about September. A lot of your spotlights from the 1980s really hooked me into your podcast. I started reading comics just a few issues before Detective Comics issue 526. It had Green Arrow on the cover with Detective Comics 521, starting up a Green Arrow backup. After that, I was a comics junkie, going with Batman, Action, Detective, and Superman on a regular basis, until the Burn reboot. Following the Man of Steel miniseries, I was sucked into the Superman universe, leaving Batman behind, with few other comics grabbing my attention from Marvel, with classic Marvel team-up and Spider-Man filling the blank hero that month, expanding my knowledge of the rival company. In fact, I didn't read an Image comic until the Walking Dead trades came out before the TV series. Since 2005, I went from the core Superman titles to 16, 22 titles a month since podcasts have been a regular part of my week. I wanted to give many thanks for the creator spotlights of John Byrne and the book spotlight on Green Arrow, the Longbow Hunters. Blimey, that's going back a bit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I look forward to more episodes in the future as you show your memories of comics, TV, movies to the masses. Have a blessed day, Matthew Guy, from Plouchville, Louisiana. A very small village of less than 400 people. That's very specific. I, I do like that extra little yeah, bit of information. That yeah. little bit of information that he comes from. For someone if he knows everyone. Because yeah. it's possible to know 400 people, isn't it? Even if it's just, hey, Bob. It, is, it is quite a big number, but if it's a, a town of 400 people, then yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that would be quite good. Last email tonight, because it's all we've got in the sack. Chris Franklin has emailed in with Spider-Bat. Spider-Bat does whatever. What the hell is that? Which I like, it rhymes. It does. That's quite clever. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Christopher. I was excited to see these two Batman Spidey crossovers published, since they are two of my favourite characters from their respective universes, and definitely the two I have the most comics of from both companies. That's probably me, that, isn't it? Yeah. Stepping into the email. I probably have more Spider-Man and Batman comics than anybody else. Mm-hmm. I did once think I may have more Batman than Spider-Man, and then I counted up the number of boxes. Yeah, and it was nowhere near. <laughs> it was like half. It's just looking up here on on top of the shelf. Yeah, just in the dining room, I've got six boxes full of Spider-Man comics. Yeah, and I think Batman. I think I've only got ten Batman total. I could be right. Batman boxes. Yeah, more than is it less than that? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to have a look. Because are you counting Brave and the Bold and Batman and the Outsiders and, and yeah. all that stuff? So that's that's possible. Anyway, 
Chris's email continues. I thought the first one was okay. I liked Bagley's Batman well enough. I liked how he handled the cape and cowl, but he looked a bit lean. He was a bit Neil Adams-like, though, so I'll give him points for that. I think Carnage's popularity and the fact he is Spidey's most psychotic villain got him the spot with the Joker. I do recall thinking Spidey going off on the Joker was way out of character. I agree, Andy, that Spidey outpunning the Joker would have been a great way to go. And similar to Terry McGuinness's Batman vs. the Joker in the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker film. Since Terry was created to essentially be Peter Parker as Batman, that made sense. I too prefer the second one, and was a huge fan of Nolan Dixon's work on tech in the 90s. It would have been great to see what Dixon would have done, but I think DiMatteis did a nice job with this. Raz is indeed Batman's Bond villain, so any time he's handled well, we're in for a treat. As for Kingpin and Spider-Man referencing this story later, as I recall, something similar did happen in the Batman books in regard to the first Batman-Punisher crossover. The first meetup had Frank Castle run afoul of Jean-Paul Valli, a.k.a. Asbats, and I seem to recall the replacement Batman obliquely referencing both Jigsaw and the Punisher in the main Batman titles. It was an odd wink to a clearly out-of-continuity story. I've always wondered why they so strictly adhered to continuities if these stories fitted in when they knew they couldn't. I agree they should have just had the Joker and the Goblin in the first one and not worried if this was post-Crisis Earth 1 or Earth Any, etc. Looking forward to the epic JL Avengers. I like that. Coverage from Chris. Well, Michael, you came up with JL Avengers, mm-hmm. didn't you? I didn't have anything to do with that. That was all you. Did you just read it wrong? No. All right. I thought, well, there's an A at the end of JLA. There is. And an A at the beginning of Avengers. So there is. And you just put the two together. I did. Wow. I got my very impressive. chrono hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, should we uh, take a quick break? Okie doke. And uh, plug a show. And we'll be back with JL Avengers. Issues three and four, or book three and four, which I suppose is uh, is what they are really, isn't it? They're the books now. Yeah, these are books. Very upbrow. Yeah, they're highbrow. After this commercial message. Do you have unexplained mood swings? Do you have difficulty communicating with others? Do you exert a fishy odor? Do you experience undue aversion to flames or revulsion of bonfires? Have you suffered from long periods of amnesia or unexplained blackouts? Do you like to toot your own horn, speak of yourself in Shakespearean tones, or sound like Dean Warmer in Animal House? Are you a sociopath? Have you senselessly slaughtered innocent undersea creatures? Is your family tired of every vacation having to be to the beach or on a cruise ship? Do you have a secret collection of green fish-scale speedos? Then you may identify with the subject of our new podcast, Imperious Rex, Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader. Longer than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. The famer of Atlantis is the Prince of the Deep. Join us each week as we review the next installment from Prince Namor, The True Submariner's Adventures in Tales to Astonish, starting with the quest in issue 70 and moving forward through the Silver Age of Marvel Comics. Check out our blog at SerialSurfaceInvaders.tumblr.com for a new show every two weeks or so and a steady stream of ridiculous aquatic content. And please, if any five or more of the above conditions apply to you, seek professional help. Avengers vs. the Justice League then would turn out to be the last hurrah for Marvel and DC crossovers, at least to this date. What was once a hugely anticipated event seems to have gone away. 
Marvel and DC both seem to be at loggerheads more often than not nowadays, and so that great Daredevil Batman team-up by Chuck Dixon, or that Fantastic Four Teen Titans meet-up by George Perez, sadly, will probably never happen. Which is not to say that other companies haven't been milking this cow dry for a number of years. Superman met Captain Thunder, a thinly veiled takeoff of Captain Marvel, or Shazam if you prefer, in an unofficial team-up before the duo would finally be brought together officially by DC finally acquiring the rights to the character. Unofficial crossovers like this would also happen in Marvel and DC books, normally centred around the Rutland Halloween parties that comics creators attended, but by the 90s these intercompany crossovers had started in force. Batman met Judge Dredd a number of times, as well as Daredevil and Spawn. Superman met the Fantastic Four, the Silver Surfer and Savage Dragon, but it would be Dark Horse comics that would become the kings of the intercompany and film tie-in crossover. Having the publishing rights to the Aliens and Predator franchises opened up the floodgates, and pretty soon not only were they fighting each other, but the Batman was tackling the Predator, as was Dread, Magnus Robot Fighter, as Luke mentioned in the email earlier, and Tarzan fought the Predator, whilst the Aliens fought Superman, Batman and Judge Dread. While some were fun like Robocop vs Terminator, you could hear the bottom of the barrel being scraped when the Punisher visited Riverdale, and the crew of the Enterprise met the X-Men. I have to confess, I'm intrigued by Star Trek Planet of the Apes, though. Have you seen the infestation stuff? No. Everything IDW releasing, Mm. everything has a crossover tied around like zombies. So G.I. Joe, Ghostbusters, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever, Doctor Who, Transformers. All were part of infestation. Yeah. What does that mean for them now that they, whenever they reprint that crossover, now that they no longer own the rights to Doctor Who? Maybe Doctor Who wasn't in it. I was just listing off who... I know, they print. Right. Or did print. Yeah. As the case maybe. This week we continue from last week's show with Avengers vs. JLA. Continued with book three entitled Strange Adventures. Again, the creative team was Kurt Busiek and George Perez as writer and artist respectively with Tom Smith as colorist. The cover, as with book two, is so gorgeous, so action-packed, so detailed, it's actually... Hard to describe, isn't it? Mm. As with a lot of Perez's stuff, a picture is worth a thousand words, but, well, we'll give it a go. Pretty much everybody who has ever even kissed the pages of a Justice League or Avengers comic is on this cover in some capacity. Quite frankly, if I was a bad guy and I saw this lot running at me, I'd cap myself. Yeah. Wouldn't you? It's, yeah. You can't... Where, you, where would you begin Yeah. with that? Go and Google it. Because it is utterly magnificent. It's very similar to, uh, I think it was Jerry Ordway, Mm-mm. who did one of the final splashes, double-faced spreads for um, Infinite Crisis. Yeah. And he had something similar to this, like a charge one, but it wasn't very good. That's so unusual for, for Ordway. Yeah, but for, so for the subsequent reprints, George Perez redrew it. Did he? Yeah, really? and it's very similar to this. Right. Because that is, it is just far too cool, isn't it? Mm. Is that not the Legion up there? Because earlier on, before we started recording, Mike said the Legion weren't in there. Is that uh, not them? I don't know. Is it? Is oh. it the Legion on the back page being hoisted forward by Kilowog? <laughs> is it? I'm, I'm, I don't know. It could be, couldn't it? I do like how the Patriots on the back. Because there's Snapper Car. Snapper car. Yeah, snapper car. And it's, it is pretty much everyone who's ever been an Avenger or a, um, 
um, a member of the Justice League, isn't it? Very good. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to sit and stir at it all day and uh, not actually get anything done. So, the story ran thus. As the barriers between the universes blur, Superman and Captain America both sense that there is something amiss. They always did prefer Oasis. Whether they be celebrating their many partnerships at the Avengers Hydro Base or at the Justice League satellite, both men cannot shake the feeling that this simply isn't right. The thought bubbles and simmers until Cap, convinced the focal point of this bizarre feeling is Superman, picks a fight with the last son of Krypton. As the duo clash, much to the surprise of the different teams, the universe splinters and cracks. In a world of snow and ice, but not written by George R. R. Martin, the vision awakens. The daily planet globe lies broken like an egg on the floor, and the vision happens upon Aquaman. After a brief scuffle, they decide working together is the better option, but before they can explore further, they are attacked by a team of evil doers acting at the behest of an unknown menace. Aquaman and the Vision aren't doing too well, it has to be said, but other leaguers and Avengers show up and save the day. Thor deduces that Mjolnir can follow the trail of power to their master. As they prepare to embark upon their journey, the Vision wonders what is going on back on his world. Well, why don't we have a look then? This team of leaguers and Avengers prevent an earthquake as best they can, but Superman, still being a bit of an ass, is short-tempered and eager to learn what is going on. As they manage to quell the damage, they realise that ordinary civilians are swapping universes, and as it starts to snow, they panic, for this is when the ghosts come. The Martian Manhunter attempts to mind-link with the ghost to learn their origin, but he finds himself, along with other people, back in the DCU. A rift appears and the Green Lantern recognises this master as Crona, something that causes Cap to blame the Leaguers for this whole situation. Superman wants to take his head off, but Wonder Woman and the Wasp urge caution. Two universes are relying on them. Superman and Iron Man zoom into the sky to ascertain exactly what the problem is. It turns out that the two universes are being forcibly pushed together, and the more they join, the more they are torn apart. The Scarlet Witch and the Green Lantern join forces to disrupt Krona's will, a move that results in the respective universes snapping back into place, albeit temporarily. With the Leaguers and the Avengers now working together, Batman and Cap deduce that whilst Krona may be behind the universes colliding, the Grand Master was the one who stole the Twelve Artifacts, for whatever purpose. The Batman proposes a meet with the Grandmaster, and the Phantom Stranger rocks up to make that happen. They find the Grandmaster lying near death, and he tells them that as Crona nearly killed him and challenged Galactus, he used the twelve artifacts to bind the universes together and trapped Crona at the juncture point between them. But Crona is bringing about the destruction, as he feels that if Galactus survived the Big Bang, then he will too. And from this, he will learn the secrets of the universe, as a new universe created from the ashes of the old will be born. Krona must be defeated for proper order to be restored. But Cap wonders, what are they saving? Is it worth it? Using the last of his power, the Grandmaster shows the Leaguers and the Avengers their worlds, the triumphs and tragedies, the successes and failures. It shocks them to the core, but Hal Jordan points out that, in the combining universes right now, millions of people are dying. They can't choose those deaths to make their own lives easier. Despite the pain, they have to at least try to restore some semblance of normality to both universes. And with that, the Avengers and the JLA agree that united, they stand. You think I was going to get through that, didn't you? <laughs> A lot of outtakes in that one, I think. Um, intriguing opening, with Doctor Doom being thwarted from taking down the Source Wall by the JLA. That includes Hawkeye 
and a flash that is Barry Allen which was a nice time yeah I, I really like this opening bit just seeing Doctor Doom on the source wall yeah which is it's kind of a the source wall is kind of a, a a creepy thing if you think about it what if there's not a wall there it's just made out of people who've tried to go past that point so it's a wall of dead bodies yeah and I thought, well, no, because you can see bits of wall. But if you look, it's not bits of wall. It's bits of It's people. bits of all the people. Yeah. It, they're just layered on top of each other. Yeah. So that entire wall is just built of all the people who have tried to break down the source wall. So if there's not enough dead people on there, then you're an idiot. <laughs> for even trying. Yeah. Look at all the dead people. Let's not bother. For Black, Black Canary to be all over Hawkeye, what is it with her? Is she just fond of a guy who uh, knows his way around a bow? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I did like that Wonder Woman's a bit of an old romantic about it. Mm. And even Batman seems like, you know, whatever about it. Green Arrow, eh, not so much. No. He wasn't happy at all, was a he? A very bitter ex. Yes. Did you, did you, is that what you got in this universe? He's the ex. I, I didn't get that. I just, I don't know, he could be. Oh, or he could be. He fancies her, but has never done anything about it. And she's with Hawkeye now. Yeah. It is funny. Yeah. And Green Arrow and Hawkeye, this entire comic are brilliant. No, yeah. Just constantly bickering with each other. I like that. I thought that was great. Uh, over in the other universe, Brainiac's ship has been brought down in the bay by the Avengers. Which is cool. Mm. And the only thing wrong with it is I really wanted to see the Justice League take on Doctor Doom. Yeah. I kind of missed that we didn't see that. Because that would have been cool. And the Avengers was in Brainiac. Mm. That would have been cool. But I kind of like how you don't see them. Because it yes. kind of establishes the history behind these new universes. Yeah, rather contradictorially. Which I don't know if it's a word, but it is now, because I just said it. I agree with you. Yeah. As cool as it would have been to see the Avengers fight Brainiac and the Justice League versus Doctor Doom, there is something about not seeing it that makes it cooler in your head. Yeah. You know, Superman versus Doctor Doom. Mm. That would have been cool. Batman versus Doctor Doom. Yeah. Would have been would have been pretty awesome. Um, I want to know... What love is. Uh, yes, <laughs> but after that, I want to know exactly what it was that Thor said to Wonder Woman. Ah, uh, yeah. Because she says, well, I think you, Thor. Great arse, Diana. <laughs> Verily, that <thou> have fantastic <laughs> buttocks. I don't think it was that. Can you imagine if Thor said to Wonder Woman, Come and sit thy comely buttocks upon my knee, wench. Coming, Mr. Hemsworth. We'll share a flagon of ale. <laughs> This drink, another. <laughs> and then he tosses it across the room. <laughs> I would imagine Wonder Woman would just punch him. Mm. Although. Unless you know, she, she's quite fond of a man who can best her. Or, or yeah, <laughs> like Red Sonja. Or maybe she just fancies Chris Hemsworth, because apparently all the women do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to say I, I like Silver Century and Iron Man on the next page. Yeah. <laughs> I like that without warning. They will all just change costume. Scarlet Witch is in a regular costume now. Yeah, I like it when it wasn't signposted. Yeah. They would have it later on where they would change within the same panel, but I like it when it just happens. Yeah, like suddenly, yeah, he's Silver Centurion Iron Man now. He's in the, the silver and, and red iron armour, mm. which is an Aquaman's back to his old self. I and do like. Guy Gardner as well. And Guy Gardner's hitting on uh, Moon Dragon yeah. and failing miserably. He's not as successful with the women as Thor is, <laughs> because Thor has a mighty hammer. Yes. <laughs> That's what Wonder Woman's saying. The hammer, hammer is my penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will show you my hammer later, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Why, thank you, Thor. You think that's what it is? Could be, There's yeah. so many things we could come up with for that. Bring the whip. <laughs> Bring the lasso of truth, wench. <laughs> I love 
Lee's as well at the party. He's got a Hawaiian shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> and they've all got lays around the neck, as if they've uh, just come from Hawaii themselves. Even Captain America's got one on, which is brilliant. There's loads of Batman's wearing one. <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Knight has got a Hawaiian lay around his neck. <laughs> oh, absolute genius. Uh, there's lots of Easter eggs. Uh, some subtle, some not. Um, given that it's Perez, that's not very surprising for the most part. We're going to let him slide because there's just far too many of oh, them. Yeah. We'd be here for four hours if we, we brought them all up. If you want a complete list, there's one in the omnibus. However, there is one that is worth mentioning. In the Hydro base, they do have a poster, uh, a framed picture of the first time the Justice League and the Avengers met. And it's a nod to the JLA's first meeting with the JSA. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice touch. I also like the, that Hawkeye and Green Arrow are shooting... Uh, is that a breadstick out of elongated man's mouth? Yeah. I think that, that was quite funny. I do feel a bit sorry for him. Those arrows now, I've got nowhere else to go but to fall on him. Oh, yeah. So A Wonder Man versus uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Man versus Wonder Woman in uh, arm wrestling. I also kind of like how... Um Hal Jordan when he changes he just gets the the Reed Richards her, her style oh he just starts graying at the temples but he never he's never parallax until at the end and I kind of like that right I didn't know Hal Jordan had been parallax uh, I think he might have been one time right. it was very obscure yeah they, they never mentioned it no it's very strange anyway <laughs> uh, Red Tornado showing off his pictures of his kids which I quite liked and Vision and Scarlet Witch here saying maybe we should have kids yeah so that's a completely different universe but also very subtly setting up the ending yeah yeah some very clever writing in this I thought really good uh, there's a lovely touch from Perez whenever the universe change around the characters the lineups and costumes just change depending on the different time frames mentioned in the story hmm. and some interesting events happen here such as the time Kang and the Lord of Time battled over the Cronal Egg yeah is a mission that they mention and the time Amazon and Ultron teamed up that sounds that, that sounds, sounds really cool. Yeah. I want an entire universe of comics that is just the entire DC and Marvel universe, and it's written by Buziek and Perez, and Darwin Cook does issues as well. Yeah. Or could we just have another four-part crossover that is the Amazon Ultron <laughs> fight? Yeah, because we just get that for one panel, don't we? Yeah. And it, it does look pretty damn cool. It's very very clever. And the, the subtle changes there as well when the universe changes. Superman suddenly talking to Martian Manhunter, not Thor. Yeah. And the arrow that he's fighting behind the head suddenly turns into a green arrow instead of being Hawkeye. And it goes through the Hawkeye one. Yeah, it's very, very, very well done. All of it. Absolute, uh, absolute genius. They do a good job with the matchups, both Buziek and Perez, giving us the obvious and the not-so-obvious. Teaming up the vision with Aquaman shouldn't work. Mm. And yet it does, doesn't it? It yeah. works really, really well for whatever reason. The Vision's logical Spock-like attitude teamed with the hot-blooded king of the sea is a remarkable study in contrast. I also like how the colouring becomes very muted. Yeah, I really like the sequence where the universe shatters and then rebuilds itself yeah. with the snow. The universe breaks and then rebuilds itself and suddenly we're in this universe where Metropolis is, is an ice planet. Yeah. Essentially. Busiek plays up the differences between the two universes throughout the story, but having Cap be quite paranoid seems a little off. Although there does have to be someone in these stories that just knows the universes are out of whack, doesn't yeah. it? For reasons of plot. In this case, Cap, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Thor, Iron Man, Aquaman, and the Vision are the team members. And it's nice to see suddenly Thor's got a beard. 
Yeah. So it's from that time period where um, Ron Friends was driving. Did he have a beard when Ron Friends did him? Or was it Walt Simonson? I think it was Walt Simonson. Right. Maybe both. Yeah. For all I remember. Uh, back on Marvel Earth, Superman is still being an ass for the same reason that Cap's been paranoid. There needs to be a character that knows something is wrong for whatever reason. This team is Superman, Batman, Scarlet Witch, the Wasp, the Martian Manhunter, and a Flash, who's still Barry Allen. Mm. So this one seems more heavily weighted in favour of DC, doesn't it, even though they're in the Marvel Universe? Yeah. I think the way they looked at it were as if it's in the Marvel view there needs to be more DC characters. Mm. And the other way around. I did like that this guy here tells Superman, I'm from Karak. Yeah. But they say here that that doesn't exist. Mm. Which I thought was a nice touch. Well, I liked how it affected normal people as well. Mm. Usually when you have crossovers, it's about the the superheroes, because that's all you read them for. Yeah. But I liked how a big scale universe shifting affected the real people. Yeah, I'd love... They, they never skimp on stuff like how this is affecting the world around them. Mm. Again, how it scores over Marvel vs. DC. Which just wasn't interested in anything like that, was it? No. It was just interesting. Who do you want to vote for? <laughs> I don't want to vote for anybody. I want a good story. Video game, the comic. Yes. <laughs> you don't say that. Cause somebody will do that. Uh, the ghostly images that appear around them was ripped off for an episode of Doctor Who. The Cyberman one. Right, okay. With, uh, was Rose still in that one with David Tennant? Yeah. Yeah, it was the Cyberman from the... Because that's how she goes to where she meets her dad again, isn't it? Yeah. It's a parallel universe where she ends up with uh, Doctor Ten when he's a normal guy, isn't he, at the end? Yeah. Yeah. I do find it interesting that Cap and Superman, both men, yeah. are at each other's throats, and it's Wasp and Wonder Woman who are the voices of reason. And it wouldn't be the first time that a comic like this has suggested that men are destroyers and women are the creators and the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> or was it the cheesemakers? I forget which. Uh, because this is Perez, a man who doesn't use splash pages simply to pad out his work, the double page spread of Iron Man and Superman watching the respective Earths being squished together is awesome. Iron Man's arm has changed again. Yeah. So it's the post-Hero's uh, Return armour now. Mm. I don't like that. Oh, it's too bulky, isn't it? Um, it's that sleek. It was all these bits. Uh, yeah, I guess, but... It explains why he's in space. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, he should have done his space armour. He should have done his space armour, though. That would have been cool. Do you know, when I saw the purple hands crushing the green planets together, I thought of Lex Luthor's um, yeah, armour. Especially the green smoke yeah. coming off it. I, I did think of Lex Luthor in his pre-crisis green armour, but sadly... Lex Luthor's not in this, is he? He's not. No, he's not at all, is he? No. Right, that's he, very He strange. did a Hal Jordan on him. Yeah, he's just not in it. He's, what would he have done? Yeah. In modern DC, he would have solved the problem, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Because Lex is a hero now. <laughs> by all accounts. Um, there is something quite wonderful about Batman just sipping Jarvis's coffee. Although, I'll be honest with you, <laughs> I would have thought that a man of Bruce Wayne's breeding would have had his little pinky out while he was drinking. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't he? And he was sipping out of his teacup. I love that. Batman having a cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, you know, I don't want to point out any faults in Perez's art. Oh, but you're going to. Um, but on the page when they return back to the, the... The Avengers return back to the mansion. Yeah. There's the two panels of Captain at the bottom. Yeah. And I get what Perez is trying to do. But with them together and joining up, Cap just looks a bit goofy. Yeah, he does, because his eyes are looking different ways, aren't they? Yeah. Which, you can, he is switching universes again, isn't he? Yeah. 
But you're right, saddled next to each other like that, it does look like Cap's the opposite of cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it? Out-eyed? Yeah. So the, both his eyes are looking opposite ways. Yeah. Because in one panel he's looking one way, and the other he's looking the other way. But yeah, you're right. I will, I will accept that criticism of Perez's artwork. And the mansion's being destroyed, and uh, Jarvis is sat outside, and he's all covered in dirt with his ripped clothes and Cap's just like alright go make us a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah he's just trying to keep him busy dude yeah, okay. he'll be happier if he's busy <laughs> he won't be sad if he doesn't have time to be sad yeah, damn yeah. it yeah go and make me coffee man uh, the universe is being askew means that we get many many different versions of the characters for the Marvel Universe this isn't really that big of a deal is it mm. a few different costumes from facial hair yeah in the case of Thor but for the DCU it means we get extended sequences where Barry and Hallaback as the Flash and the Green Lantern, respectively. Which leads to a, a wonderful panel where Hal wonders if they are even alive in these different universes. And Barry points out he's just a simple Iowa boy who wants to go home. And in that one panel, Boucher manages to completely tug at the heartstrings of the reader in this big cosmic event. Yeah. Which is, I thought was really good. I really like the sequence where the Phantom Stranger leads them to... What's his face? Big Blue. The Grand Master. Yeah, the Grand Master. I really like the colours of it. Yeah. It's very Golden Age DC-ish. Yeah, it, and it's also, it's very much like when you used to get comics where the colouring has shifted. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And then they step onto the chessboard. You know, because you, you can't have a metaphor more hitting you on the yeah, head than yeah. this is a chessboard, can you? And then he shows them the lives and the three-page sequence of each character seeing their past and their history is absolutely stunning. I I loved this bit. I had this been an in-continuity series that the companies could have referenced again, they could have used this to bring Hal, Hal and Barry back permanently, couldn't they? Mm. This is what they could have done to bring those characters back rather than Flash Rebirth and Green Lantern Rebirth. And I actually think this works better. Yeah. When the universes get thrown back together... And how brilliant would that have been for DC? Because they brought DC, Hal and Barry back in this, but they can never reference it again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a big adventure, but we don't like to talk about it. Mm. <laughs> I like how the montage of images line up. They kind of make an image out of the other image. Yeah. I like that they're actually watching the history. Like the future. The, yeah, like somebody's given them a Marvel or DC comic yeah. and said, read this. Yeah. And they're actually looking at the panels of a comic book, aren't they? And how, because this, the, the iconic versions of those characters, when they do something that we've seen but they've not, like um, Giant Man and the Wasp, hmm. where it's like, oh, Jam, I'll never hit you, I promise, I'll do anything I can to change that. See, uh, oh, there's Lex Luthor. He is in it. Yeah, uh, as president. As president, yeah. So he, he does get a one-panel cameo. The DC characters seem to have had a awful lot more tragedy yeah. in their lives than the Marvel characters, don't they? Vision and Scarlet Witch, we see them lose their children, which is quite traumatic. But Flash watches himself die. Batman watches himself get his back broke. Wonder Woman watches somebody melting. I don't remember that storyline, so I don't think I've, I've uh, read it. But Wonder Woman also sees herself in an ass-kicking Kingdom Come armor mm-hmm. and fighting the uh, JLA bad guys, the yeah. Injustice League. So, yeah. I don't know, that's kind of a pretty kick-ass flash-forward. Superman sees himself dying, 
Hal Jordan sees himself becoming Parallax. And there's only Iron Man, really, who has all this tragedy in his life, isn't it? Becoming yeah. an alcoholic and getting turned into a teenager and then being crippled. Everyone else is... Because Spider-Man's not here, and he's the and king of angst. <laughs> but Spider-Man's not part of the story, so... Uh, some might say that... We might find a brighter day. But some might say that, <laughs> yeah. Second Oasis reference in one episode. <laughs> some may say that Hal Jordan's fate in his own series, where he massacred people was a betrayal of his character so it's nice to see a far more heroic Hal here and it's he who spurs the JL Avengers into action isn't it mm. which is uh, which was a really nice touch the third chapter has very little Kroner or the Grandmaster and Metron is completely absent no he's at the end apart from that yeah sorry from the very very last panel God, I really like that bit we have Metron going Hmm, well, like, this is a wrinkle yeah. I hadn't anticipated. The, the, the panel's kind of funnel down, so it's yeah. like an upside-down triangle, and yeah. Metron's just sat at the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's wonderfully laid out, as you would expect from George Perez, because he's watching it on his big screen. Yeah. He's got a big HD screen in right. Metronville. 1080p, Yeah, oh, FPS. much better than that, obviously. <laughs> okay. What about the surround sound, dude? Yeah, yeah. He's got to have the surround sound. Um, but it's a wonderful little character piece as our heroes have to figure out what the hell's going on and how they can stop it, then Boussier manages to make this cosmic tale make complete sense. Although I can imagine you'd be a little lost if you're not a hardened comics fan. Yeah. But Perez's art just oozes class. The fact that Boussier and Perez are able to pull this off in four issues, a self-contained four issues shows both men's skill and there are an awful lot of easter eggs for you to pick up on if that's your bag well, I think that's how they get away with it if you don't if you're not a hardened fan I think a lot of it is just easter eggs yeah we may be spotting stuff that if you were just reading it and going oh this is cool yeah then yeah yeah you're probably right you're probably absolutely right what did you think of book three uh, I enjoyed it it's great I like the whole shift in things um I, f- um, I don't want to say it moved a bit slow in this chapter but I get that they were trying to set up the end. I get this was the chapter where they just got to have a bit of fun with the different universes, though. Yeah. They got to do in that chapter all the stuff Marvel vs. DC didn't do at all, yeah. which was just goof around by being able to have Superman and Spider-Man and Captain America and Thor all interact with each other. Yeah. And that's that was just what that one was. Well, the last issue, to me, it seemed like they were having a lot more fun. Yeah, well, the last one, they get to fight together. I think it was a lot more fun to read it, because everyone's different in every panel they're in. Yes, as the universes keep splintering, Yeah. everyone, suddenly Superman becomes Electric Superman. So yeah. the US agents there yeah. are caps dressed as the captain instead of Captain America or something like that. Yeah. But we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Book four... The Brave and the Bold has arguably the best cover of the bunch, proving that sometimes simplicity is best. Two worlds collide, rival nations. It's a primitive fact, but Superman's here to quell your frustrations. His costume is torn and tattered. He's sporting the glowy red eyes of anger, but we'll cut him some slack, as they aren't the focal point of the image. In his right hand, he hoists mighty Mjolnir, which bristles with electric energy, and in his left... Captain America's shield. Whoever Superman is looking at better be prepared for a major smackdown. <laughs> it's brown trousers time. If you're uh, going to be the recipient of this guy. I think it's magnificent. And this was my computer's wallpaper for a while. And yeah. We did have a Facebook conversation about this over Christmas. And um, Chris Warden, who listens to the show. Hello, Chris. Uh, 
called it one of the finest pieces of comic art ever. It's kind of hard to disagree with that. Hmm. I think that's brilliant. Go on, you're going to disagree with it, aren't you? I'm just not so hot on it being the last cover to a major crossover with the two comic big guns. Why? Because it's Superman. Exactly. I understand the importance and the iconicness <coughs> of him and the Captain America shield. Hmm. And Thor! Yeah. Don't forget Mjolnir! I just think that maybe swapping the covers for issue 3 and 4 around would have been better. You think? And yeah. having issue 3 be the big ending? Yeah. I'm not going to argue that it's a good cover. Hmm. I just don't think having just Superman... On the last issue. On the last issue right. was a particularly good... good oh, right, okay, I take your point. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Maybe that issue 3's cover of everybody would have been more celebratory. Yeah. For issue 4. Alright, fair enough. Still good though. Mm. Still pretty damn good. I like yeah, the earth on the back. Yeah, the, the worlds colliding with each other. Because no one else is on it, are they? No. Uh, Alright, yeah. Okay, I'll take your point. Okay, fair enough. I'm not going to argue with it. For once. <laughs> Krona shows Metron Galactus's origins and explains that another hand was involved another consciousness. Here, where the universes collide, Krona can finally learn the secrets of creation. And if the universes die, asks Metron, then they die, exclaims Krona, for I, at last, will have an end to my quest. The Avengers and the JLA are at this time putting their differences behind them and right working for the common good. With Captain America elected overall leader by Superman, the team get to work modifying an Atlantean warship for the dimensional breach. Before the battle, Cap bequeaths his shield to Superman, and as the harmonics align, the JL Avengers transfer to Krona's stronghold, a stronghold made from the remains of Galactus. Krona, however, is prepared. With members of AIM, HIVE, HYDRA and the shock troops of Apocalypse at his command, he unleashes the hordes. Mind linked by the Martian Manhunter, Cap quickly spits out orders and the team obey and the Avengers assemble. They quickly move into action following Cap's orders to the letter, pushing forward whilst looking for any opening. Their attempts are hindered by the constantly warping reality, but unbeknownst to the Jail Avengers, Metron has turned his back on Krona as the energies of the universes will not remain coherent for long. As the battle continues to rage, the Batman manages to destroy the field generators, but the constant shifting of reality leads to the death of the Flash and Hawkeye. As Cronus starts to tire of the relentless attack, he declares that the truth is not enough, and peace denied him, he vows that heroes must pay. He even appears to start to crack up under the strain, as he howls at the sky that Metron may seek the truth, but he will tear it from the corpses of two cosmoses. As the heroes press on, the vision gives his life for Superman, and Thor offers the manor tomorrow his hammer as he too falls. Superman breaks through the final barriers, however, it is far too late. As Krona launches his final attack, the heroes fall. Two worlds start to disintegrate and burn. Krona has won. Almost. For the Flash managed to save Hawkeye and himself at the last moment, and they lay in wait for the moment to attack. That moment is now. As the Flash races around Krona, a mere distraction, Hawkeye launches a TNT arrow into the heart of Krona's power source, and it blows up real good. A huge black gulf now occupies the place where Krona used to stand. As reality starts to order itself, the different Earths are still locked together, until two strong arms break right through, pushing the worlds apart. For this is the Spectre. 
Hal Jordan makes the final sacrifice to ensure the future. And outside of time and space, Metron and the Grandmaster look on. The game has ended and all sides won. Perhaps. Metron merely observes a cosmic egg made from Krona's essence. One day, yes, one day, he may come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. For one day, they may play the game again. Ooh, sadly, they not, never will. Not yet. Which uh, is a real shame. Isn't it? At the end of last issue, Metron seemed to be a fair bit away from the action. Now he's chatting with Kroner over tea and crumpets. Yeah, yeah. When did that happen? Well, you can be wherever you want, whenever you want, kind of. That's true. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Spider-Man cameo! Yeah. Which was nice. He's not in this a lot. He had one panel in the last issue. Yeah. He's on the back cover of issue number three. <laughs> but uh, the fact there's a lot of good cameos here. Perez does his best to squeeze in appearances by everyone just in case he never gets the opportunity again. Mm. Uh, including... Yeah, it's speed Speedball. <laughs> Everyone's favourite. Everybody's favourite. Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil gets one panel, which means that uh, Secret Wars, he didn't appear in. Yeah. So at least he gets to appear in this. And he barely appears in... Uh, oh no, he has a good issue in Secret Wars too, doesn't he? Where uh, Beyond gives him his sight back. Yeah. That's a good issue. Uh, Captain Britain. Yeah. Captain uh, Britain appears in a news clip. Either, yeah. Trying to stop uh, Stonehenge from toppling. <laughs> well done, Cap. <laughs> Keeping the British end up, eh? That, that throwaway panel, though, the Teen Titans fight dinosaurs. Yes. That's just never mentioned again. No. Dinosaurs have come through and let's just, yeah, let's never mention that. Well, what I like about that is there's terror. Yeah. So it's before the Judas contract. Uh, well, you know, what's wrong with dinosaurs, huh? Nothing, I want to see more of it. Alright, more more Teen Titans versus dinosaurs. Yeah? Yeah, I suppose that's never a bad thing. Uh, it's a nice touch that, contrary to Hal Jordan's more noble approach last issue, here the Vision is willing to sacrifice everything to save his children, children that might not even exist. And it's a lovely human moment amidst the drama, and it comes from an android. Yeah. So, irony! <laughs> but it's a nice irony. And I like it. Uh, Superman demures leadership to Captain America. And Batman just agrees to this. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Dick Batman from the late 90s comics agreeing to this? Well, it's... I think I should lead. I think he just would have led, but in his own head. Yeah, in his own head. He's, he's like, yeah, Cap, you think you're leading. <laughs> you think you're in charge. But, you know, I've got my own agenda. I'm just going to stand on this building and watch you fight. I have planned for this eventuality for ten years. <laughs> I knew when this was going to happen, and I know exactly how it's going to turn out. And if you slip up, Cap, I can kill you 99 different <laughs> ways from this position. Because I have logs in the Batcave <laughs> on everybody in alternate universes. I oh, can end you don't now. Don't say that out loud, because that will happen. <laughs> you totally will, won't you? Uh, I think this was great. I actually think this was a really good decision. Captain America has experience leading soldiers in a battle. Mm. So it was great to see Batman and Superman acknowledge that without ego. Yeah. I thought that was really good. Especially seeing as Superman and, and Captain America haven't really been the best of mates while they were doing this, have they? Mm. So I thought that was really nice. Another neat touch, secret identities just get discarded. Whilst working on the Atlantean Warcraft, masks and capes are, are gotten rid of. And there's some nice character moments. Batman telling Tony Stark he's not concerned that they had to remove guns from the Warcraft. 
because yeah. Bruce Wayne hates guns. I thought that was a really nice moment. Aquaman and Captain America having an, a nice moment together was pleasant. Wonder Woman's concern for Scarlet Witch, all real human moments of concern in an otherwise cosmic storyline. Uh, however, it's the night before the storm, which is the best scene in, in the book for character bits. Scarlet Witch in the vision mourning the loss. Hank Pym apologising for hitting Jan, giving him some sympathy mm. for the heinous act and treating the character with far more respect than the Ultimates did. Yeah. Um, Hal and Barry sharing a moment where they realise they may be about to die and Barry using that time to try and contact Iris was lovely. Thor and Aquaman both kind of looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, it's for battle come to us. This is what they were bred for. This is what they love. And Thor telling Aquaman that he would love a rematch with Superman. Yeah. I just thought that was magnificent. Thor's ego will I not accept. Yeah. Thor's ego will not accept that he was beaten. Yeah. Ah, next time we battle it will be glorious and the outcome may not be as you think. <laughs> it's like, all right, Thor. You keep thinking I, that. I right? just like Thor all the way through this. He is. It's the night before a battle. Diana! <laughs> Come sit thy comely buttocks upon thy knee. And then the next scene is Thor punched through a wall. <laughs> Verily, I will take my pleasure with She Hulk. <laughs> oh, I wish they'd put that in. I really do. The best moment, though, is Cap and Superman burying their differences. And Cap giving him the shield. Mm. And it's it's brilliantly done because it's only two pages, but there's loads of panels on the page and loads of dialogue, but it's never cramped. Well, I really like the, the directing. Yeah. Um, so, like, um, the Flash and Green Lantern would walk past yeah. Giant Man and the Wasp, and then they'd walk past Thor and Aquaman who were walking the other way and they'd walk mm. past and then as they walk past you see the reflection of Cap in the window yeah. and then it goes to Captain America yeah yeah, you're absolutely right that is a really subtle bit that it's very easy to miss but it's really really well done it's very impressive but what do you expect from George Perez really? mm. nice two page shot of the Avengers which was the unified team name and Cap quickly and decisively makes orders, and the Atom's just really impressed with it. Yeah. Uh, Full-page shot of the remains of Galactus. Which is great. Which is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? That he's killed Galactus. And just turned his, his head into a tower. Yeah. It's really, really... Everything about this is just utterly cool. Cap, as the battle starts like a quarter of the way in, and doesn't stop... Mm. Once it kicks off, it doesn't end. Captain America has all of the team members doing something. And it's very impressive how at no point is any character shortchanged or left with nothing to do. Once again, Busiek injects character moments into the action, with Superman being incredibly impressed with Cap Shield. Like, oh, can I get one of these? Yeah. I thought that was a really nice moment. But throwing a wrench into the proceedings is the changing realities resulting in team members changing. Yeah. Leading to a great scene where Hawkeye and Green Arrow are forced to work together extremely reluctantly. Yet when Hawkeye dies, Green Arrow pays him a wonderful tribute. Mm. He picks up his his arrows, doesn't he? Yeah. And uh, and takes them with him. Suddenly Superman's got the, the longer hair. Mullet. Shut up. <laughs> Suddenly Captain America's dressed as the captain. Yeah, yeah. Rather than as Captain America. Even though America. that wasn't him. It, he was him for a bit. Was it? Yeah, he adopted that identity for a bit. Right. Whilst 
God, John Walker was Captain America. I yeah. Think. And Batman suddenly gets the yellow oval. And fights Thingy the Leaper. Oh, fights Batrock the Leaper. Yeah. Batman versus Batrock was inspired. <laughs> Sadly, we don't actually get to see the battle. No, which is a real it shame. It was good enough. Yes, it was good enough. And Batman and Black Panther yeah. is a team up that needs to happen. Yeah. Because that was just fantastic as well. I thought it was great how like AIM and Hydra are in this yeah. as well. Yeah, and uh, the the paratroopers from Apocalypse are in it. Yeah. Hal Jordan suddenly gets grey sideburns and then becomes Kyle Rayner. He's Parallax in the middle as well, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's absolutely fantastic. And I like how even as Kyle Rayner, he swaps costumes as well. Yeah, well, so does the Atom in each panel as well. Yeah. The Atom changes costumes in every panel. And that by doing this, you're just getting reality is warping around them so quickly. A big Barda shows up. Yeah. So we get an appearance by one of the new gods at the very least. Iron Man's now wearing... Oh, that's War Machine, isn't that's it? That's War Machine. War Andy Machine Rode. shows Blaster, the living Bombast, and Machine Man, and the Rhino. Yeah. And Rhino's here. The Sandman's in this as well. Yeah, the Sandman's... I can't see him. He's later on, I think he's fighting Scorpion. Is he? Yeah. Right, okay, and well, we'll keep I, I our like eye Prometheus out as well. Yeah. Like, um, oh, I've just downloaded all of Batman's fighting moves into my head, and Captain America's like, yeah, come on. <laughs> um, I love Batman. All we see is Batroc coming up at him, and then the next thing, Batroc's out cold. Yeah, yeah. You in the cape, you downed Batroc, now face us. And then Black Panther's there, you need a hand? Yeah. And then Black Widow's there, and the Huntress is, and I want to see more of that! Yeah, well, I think it's cool that you don't see Yeah, it. no, I don't disagree with you, but... Batman's you know. cooler when you don't see him fight. But, like, oh, right, right, um... It'll- uh, ice skating Superman. Ice skating Superman loses up. the shield, and then it's the the hologram. The hologram appears on cap. It, it, this is just so cool, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. This is absolutely fantastic. Oh, there's the Sandman. Yes, you're absolutely right. There's Sandman. Is he a good guy here, or is he a bad guy? He's fighting Scorpion, so he must be a good guy at this point. He was on the Avengers. He was on the Avengers. That's very very true. Uh, ultimately, these kind of things don't go well for the Flash, and as such, he gets disintegrated before our eyes. Cap being able to compartmentalise this is a lovely touch. Hawkeye's death doesn't cause him to grieve, but he says that that will happen later. But it just makes him more determined to win, Yeah, doesn't it? That it's cost them Hawkeye and whatever. Another cool touch when Cap gets the shield back. It's the triangle one from World War II. It is. Which is... uh, Are we geeking out enough over this? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) We don't normally do this, do we? We have have British detachments. Oh, of course. But apart from here. Yeah. Well, this is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Unlike DC versus Marvel, which I think I may have mentioned was a missed opportunity. Yeah. This actually has Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel working together. Yeah. Albeit only for one panel... But it does actually happen. Mm. So they do actually give it lip service and put it in there. So for the fans of those two characters, you can go, ah, oh, well, they did actually meet each other, which is brilliant. And there are just so many good things here. So much that was squandered in Marvel versus DC that Busiek and Perez, or were they may never get another chance yeah. to do something like this throw into the mix there's just Aquaman and Namor side by side is glorious Wonder Woman's last stand with She-Hulk at her side Hmm. is fantastic I love that those you can just see She-Hulk take her out for a night oh yeah and Wonder Woman being like you drink this stuff (laughs) and Wonder Woman this is whiskey dude drink it 
Wonder Woman being the soberest woman uh, after a uh, night out? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, She-Hulk could show her a good time. Um, Electric Superman, as Michael's mentioned. Ice Skater Superman shows up. Yeah. Different versions of each hero. Costume changes, all handled beautifully. The scene where Superman is brought low by Radioactive Man and Solar, who pummel him with red sun radiation and kryptonite, and then the Vision kills himself. The Vision sacrifices himself to imbue the Man of Steel with solar energy. It's simultaneously magnificently touching, Mm. and a yes moment. (laughs) Punch the air. Superman's back. And for all the bombast and power on display, it was Hawkeye and the Flash that saved the day. Yeah. Stick that in your pipes, Bendis and Marv Wolfman. And it was um, Green Spectre as well. Yeah. And Hal Jordan gets a hero moment, yeah. Well, an act of redemption that didn't matter. Uh, Yeah, I think it mattered. Did we read it? Yeah, okay. Did we enjoy it? Okay. Then it mattered. (laughs) Uh, That's all that matters. But then I love this. Superman suddenly can't lift Mjolnir. Yeah, I, I love um, what Thor says to Yeah, oh, that's absolutely brilliant. It's, it's, it's not easily lifted by others. It's an enchantment. But in desperate hours, know this. Perhaps it was but briefly, but it was in good hands. Yeah. I love that. And I just wanted that to be followed up with the next panel being, So, rematch! <laughs> <laughs> I just went, let's go to Asgard and have a boxing match. And when we're done... I'm going to show you a good time, Kryptonian. I'm going to show you how we party in Asgard. That should be another forest you miss. Superman and Thor having the grudge rematch, yeah, yeah. like the end of Rocky Three. Yeah. You know, you beat me, man. I can't handle that. You beat me by two seconds. Now, I have an ego, because I am Thor. Yeah, well, the first one's like them getting to Asgard. <laughs> and then the second one is is um, the, the big feast the night before. And then the fight's in the third no, one. No, no, no. The third one, they get attacked by Loki or something. And that carries on into the fourth one, and it ends with the with first throwing punch, punch yeah, in each other. Yeah. Genius! <laughs> and then the tiger flies. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! I just want Superman to go on a bender with Thor. Yeah. <laughs> and Hercules yeah. in a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, oh, genius! Oh God, we should pitch that. <laughs> the next Superman Marvel DC crossover: Superman going out for a beer-filled yeah. night in Asgard with Hercules and Thor, and just getting into trouble. <laughs> Superman is constantly apologising for them. <laughs> and going in somewhere where they have to check the capes and then when they come out they get the wrong ones. <laughs> 22 suicide clumps Street. <laughs> and Bibble, Bibble serving them the drinks. <laughs> oh, please make that happen. Oh, God. Uh, the way reality reorders itself back to normal means that we don't actually get a tag scene at the end mm. between the two teams, which was quite sad. Wasn't it? A moment of reflection may have been nice. All we really get is is a couple of panels of them being swirled back to wherever they're going back to. And they're saluting each And other. Superman salutes Captain America, and Captain America salutes Superman. And I like what Wonder Woman's doing. Wonder Woman's crossing her hands yeah. at the bracelets. In uh, uh, a signet, but no one else is doing anything either. It says, uh, I thought somebody was saluting. No, it's just Iron Man's hat in it. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bit of a shame. Scarlet Witch saying they're incompatible worlds, and I suppose that's how it has to be for all things ultimately must have an ending. Yeah, it's just a bit of a rushed ending. Well, I don't want to say rushed. I don't think it's rushed. I think it builds up nicely to the fact that 
you know, we've got no time. This is it. It's, yeah. We've got to end it now. Otherwise, we don't get our worlds back. And they sacrifice the cute little finale where they all have a good chuckle about Scotty beaming the tribbles over to the Klingons <laughs> um, to, to say, look, bye, good luck, we did well, see ya. Yeah. Um, and they'll and never remember it after the cinema. No, no, it'll never be referenced again, which is a shame. Um, utterly magnificent. Busiek weaves a cosmic story of intergalactic proportions, but never forgets to give us what we want to see, be it small character moments or large battle scenes between characters we'd always want to see in conflict and friendships were formed in the most unlikely of places from the Flash and Hawkeye to Wonder Woman and She-Hulk. Nobody was treated badly, nobody got played for laughs, no one got short shrift, everybody got a moment to shine. It bears repeating that this was everything Marvel and DC wasn't and more. There was a coherent plot, the science fiction elements played into that plot and weren't a distraction, and the character moments rang true rather than seeming forced. There's very, very little demons in it! I just flipped through and yeah. saw demons! Well, I'm just looking at this cover and Aztecs in it. Oh, fantastic. There's very little we can say about Perez's art. Every single page of this is an artistic orgasm for long-time <laughs> comics fans. And this love letter to the comics of the 70s, hell, the comics of the 60s through the 90s, that exists in a continuity that doesn't really exist anymore, is simply sublime. If this isn't the best of the DC-Marvel crossovers, it's only because nostalgia plays a huge part in the memories of fans. I didn't want this to end and I want this creative team to do more of these. Can you imagine a JSA Invaders team up? Yeah. By Busiek and Perez. It's just a mouth watering prospect that will never happen. Except somewhere out there in another universe of endless possibilities. Mm. What did you think? I really liked it. What did you say when you came down after reading Part 4? What did I remember? What did you say? What did, what did I say? Was your absolute. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I really want to read Crisis, crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths. Earth. This, this is a crisis. It's better it's so than Crisis on Infinite Earths. because you say so? Yes, because ultimately because Crisis... Because one universe. Ah, but that as well, because it gives you everything that you want to see between Marvel and DC. But also, ultimately, Crisis, I honestly think, as good as Crisis is, in the grand scheme of things, it did more damage than good. Whereas this exists, it's a perfectly formed four-issue limited series. It does exactly what it said it would do. Yeah. It does it magnificently, but when it's over, it's not broken anything. I guess that's just... Oh, but then you get into the reason why Crisis was yeah. in and why this was being made. And you can understand the reasons why it happened at the time, Yeah. but ultimately I don't think it did them any favours. Well, I just think it should be... A crisis with Infinite Earths, with Infinite, with Final. This yeah, it works up. as a twelve-issue miniseries in and of itself. Yeah, it, it comes out of crisis, mm. and it's another crisis, and it is because this is kind of a sequel to Crisis. Yeah, it feels very much like Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it was better than Zero Hour, and it was better than Zero Hour. Yeah. See, see, the thing with Zero Hour, I do love 
some of Zero Hour. I love the Zero Hour issues, but I think the Zero Hour miniseries yeah. is unnecessary. Well, if you're going to criticise Crisis for doing more damage than good, then Zero Hour... Yeah, Hour. because, well, Zero Hour was trying to fix the problems of Crisis. Yeah, but, but made a it lot, even worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but a lot of the problems that Zero Hour attempted to fix either didn't need fixing, yeah. or you could just ignore them, and then ultimately you're left with a Batman who never found the person who killed his parents. Yeah. Because that was a zero hour thing, wasn't it? That wasn't I later. Think, I think it was, yeah. So that was just dumber than dirt. Yeah. I don't believe Batman never found Joe Chill. I just simply didn't accept it at mm. all. And he can't exactly be the world's greatest detective if he doesn't. If he doesn't find, yeah. Yeah. So the fact that they got rid of him finding who killed his parents, I just never understood the, the logic behind that decision. Yeah. At all. Personal just, desperation. I don't, I don't know. Well, why? What's. So. What, is this. Sub- is this subscribing to the theory of the first Batman film that if he catches the person who killed his parents he gives up being Batman because that to me just shows a fundamental lack of understanding of who Batman yeah, is yeah. he doesn't do it to catch who killed his parents it's to make sure no one else goes through it but I honestly believe he would have caught the person who killed yeah, his parents yeah. I think that would have been his first case yeah exactly his first case can't be a cold case yeah but at the same time after he's caught him he would still carry on doing what he's doing his parents yeah. are still dead yeah. So, you know, so I, I couldn't get behind that at all. I mean, that's some nice art. Hmm. Zero hour. I like the artwork. Well, that about wraps it up for this. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed that. I and did. did we geek out a little bit too much? A little bit. Personally, <laughs> I think I enjoyed it more for Perez than I did Busiak. I find it both of it was brilliant. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you and say it would have been just as good with another artist because it probably wouldn't have been. Mm. But it was that creative team on that book doing that story at that time. Yeah. And it works brilliantly. I'd not read this since it came out, and it was just sublime. Mm. Absolutely brilliant stuff. We done? Yeah. Next time on an all new episode of Hey Kids Comics, it's just good comics for a couple of weeks. We're going to look at some of the things that I've had in the book for ages that fell by the wayside or didn't fit in with one of these season things that we seem to have fell in the habit yeah, of doing. Yeah. And we're just going to do damn good comics for about four or five weeks. And then Michael gets to take over again. I do. And we, we're going to do something for you. We are. Aren't we? So, thank you very much for joining them. We hope you enjoyed them as much as we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you've got this, go and reread it because it's fucking fantastic. Isn't it? It is. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only and no infringement is intended so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either which vexes us the opinions of michael and andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of michael and andrew and no one else they own them cherish them and look after them but are probably not to be taken too seriously New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. <laughs>